Episode number 116 is with one of NASCAR's most recognizable pit crewmen. Episode number 116 is with Mr. Mike Metcalf Jr. And Mike is one of the strongest human beings you will see physically. But Mike is also one of the most deeply conscious and aware human beings that you'll come across as well. But before we get into the interview with Mike Metcalf, it's iTunes Review of the Week. Josh Schiller. Josh, really love this comment. Wes consistently provides amazing content that enables you to create the space necessary in your life to accomplish all of your goals and dreams. On top of that, he takes the time to engage with his audience is a top-notch human being. You have my full support, Wes. Wow, Josh, really am appreciative of how open you are about how much you appreciate the show, and I'm always going to be passionate to connect with you guys on social media to let you know that this community is super valuable to me. You guys give me back everything that I hope to send in your direction, and that is what a relationship is really about. Super excited about continuing to send love your way and have it uh, be a reciprocal process. So Josh Schiller, the iTunes Review of the Week, really appreciate those five stars, my man. Mike Metcalf is one of the captains of the Chip Ganassi racing team. And Mike Metcalf is also a Lululemon ambassador. And Mike Metcalf is this week's guest of Creating Space. Mike Metcalf Jr. How does that junior sound, man? Welcome to the show, buddy. Junior is good. I don't I don't get junior a lot. I get little Mike a lot. So yeah. when Talk. I hear junior, I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about that. Tell me your big influencer. He's your pops, I imagine. He is, man. He uh, she's a he's a special guy. He was my grandmother had him in the middle of inner city Detroit when she was 15. And so <clears throat> no support not a lot of resources and somehow this guy's a doctor i have no idea ended up at an ivy league school at dartmouth um did medical school at howard university in dc i was born in dc um that's where him and my my mother met at uh, howard university and so he's just a guy to like his story his life everything he does is just about overcoming odds and uh, right the best out of whatever you got wow so dartmouth yeah holy smokes yeah just you know it (laughs) They'll tell me stories about, you know, there's a movie called Detroit coming out right. pretty soon. And it's about the riots that happened in Detroit back in the uh, 50s and 60s. And so they had a front row seat to it. A lot of that happened in their neighborhood, stuff like that. And so a lot of things, he, me, me listening to him talk about his childhood is crazy just because there's no way he should be where he is right now. Right. But, you know, God had a plan for him. He worked hard. My mother made, grandmother made sacrifices. And, and so it's, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a, definitely a hero. But you, you grew up not in Detroit. You grew up here in Charlotte. In Charlotte. Yeah. Same, same different. high school as Steph Curry as well. Yeah. yeah but yeah. growing up yeah. from what I hear and doing my research, Steph Curry knew who Mike knew who Mike Metcalf <laughs> Jr. was. Is that the truth? Yeah, you, I mean you were the big man on campus there. Yeah, you you always just kind of look up to the older guys. Anytime you come in as a freshman and you know, you just the senior guys are just cooler than you, right? They just right. they live longer. They know uh they know more girls than you know. <laughs> they, they can drive to campus. You're still getting dropped off by your mom. You know, it's just it's just not set up for a freshman to be cool. So so yeah, I mean I, I I came along a little bit ahead of him. I think that's all it was. Just 
people knew who we were just because our teams were good. I mean, we were competitive. And so, you know, we just, we got a little bit of a following. and uh, it's A little a bit. Wait, wait, wait. You were the t- the top running back in North Carolina, no, right? No, 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 no. There were, there were two guys that were in our conference. Fred Staten ended up going to Wake Forest. And then uh, Alvin Pierman went to, he was at Country Day, went to uh, Virginia. He played in the NFL for a while. And so I was just behind those two guys. And so, Great comp- competitors. They're uh, guys that I, would, I stayed in touch with long after high school, and uh, it was just fun to play with them. Yeah, you know? yeah. So running back, but you went to Appalachian State. Went to Appalachian State, and you they converted you there to a fullback. Yeah, it was. Uh, is it, so I spent my first two years at Carson Newman College. Uh, it's a D two school in Tennessee, um, not too far outside of Na- Na- Knoxville, and we got a lot of guys that were. Uh, <laughs> kicked out of university of tennessee that kind of thing right and uh so it was super competitive in the offense they ran it was just kind of smash mouth so when i came to app state it was kind of more of a uh kind of a spread a little bit more of a finesse offense so it was just easier for them to put me at that fullback kind of position just because i was used to the contact and hitting and stuff like that my natural position is was always just tailback though like a running back right yeah. so what type of player were you because here's what i'm looking at right I look at a guy, I mean, for the Creating Space tribe right now, this guy is absolute cock diesel jacked, right? <laughs> Looks, feels as if he is uh, super intense. However, he's a, a big teddy bear, yeah, very right, docile. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure. So what it, tell me about who is this guy that enters the white lines and loves contact and loves to take people's heads off? Man, yeah, I, I mean, I can remember a couple of times where it's like, all right, do I hit this seam here and kind of get out in the open and just kind of make a run for the end zone? Or do I just kind of curve back and, and try to mix it up a little bit? And it's like <laughs> 99.9 percent of the time i'm gonna curve back and just try to find somebody and so you know i don't know my my i learned <laughs> i learned i had a kind of a, a a temper when i was younger yeah um there's this guy i looked up to larry scott i'll never forget him and he was jacked you know and this was in like eighth grade nobody's jacked in eighth grade you know what I mean? right and uh so i asked him today i was like hey man how do you how did you get so big and he's like well i uh have a bad temper and the way I deal with it is, is when I get mad, instead of like punching people, I just go do push-ups. And I'm like, dang, man, you must do a lot of push-ups. <laughs> you must be mad, dude. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I feel the same way too, you know? So I, uh, I just kind of took it after him and just learned how to anytime, you know, there's struggles or adversity or anything in my life, it would be like, all right, I'm going to settle this on the field tonight, you know? And that was right. a healthy way to deal with it. Right. So that, that temper kind of served you. And you were able to channel that at a young age. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a lot and, of emotional I, maturity. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, at a young age, and I, and I honestly wish I would have, you know, I think uh, sometimes, you know, somebody's kids that are, are hotheads get kind of labeled as as being bad. But if you can figure out how to let them channel it in a positive way, that can be the fire that propels them to being great at something. You know, wow. So it's all about <clears throat> how you manage what kind of emotions you have, and. Uh, I, I wouldn't do anything differently, but I, I think I maybe like calm myself too much to where people like my wife's just like, <laughs> you never get mad at anything. And I was like, no, I mean, I do, but I just don't, you know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> right. Right. So <laughs> that, that competitive nature, yeah. um, obviously we'll get into the NASCAR aspect of it there. You've got a ton of it. I'm sure as you guys 
I, the deeper I get into this, Mike, the more I recognize how big of a team environment, how similar it is probably to collegiate or pro sport, but you don't really have that, um, pure ability to hit people and knock people's heads off anymore. So how are you channeling that temper channeling that, that competitive nature is NASCAR doing it for you at the moment? It's, uh, it did initially, um, the older I get, the, the harder it is to do that. It, uh, it pushes me in workouts. Um, that's why I think I'm still there because I can train and, you know, we have little, <laughs> I'll show you on Instagram later. Uh, you know, we have these little competitions and I'm, you know, up against guys 10 years younger than I am. And I still have the motor to be able to compete and, and train with them. But, um, it, it's funny because in a football game, I could, um, good or bad, I could um, in, impact the game myself directly. Mm. Uh, we can, as a group, as a pit crew, directly impact the race, but I can't specifically do anything outstanding that just makes it work for everybody, you know? So it's a little bit different, you know, it, it's still like the the team concept. You still travel together, hotels, dinners, dinner together. You're still working out and all that practice, you know, the grind is still there. And so that's fun. You still have the locker room mentality, which I think any player will tell you is probably the thing that they will miss the most. It's the hardest thing man, yeah. to replicate. Isn't yeah. It? Cause you, you don't get that in life. You mm, know, so hard, man. Nowhere in corporate America, <laughs> nope. any, anywhere, you know, and I think that's why you see a lot of these gyms kind of starting to pop up so much. And, because people want that community. People need that, crave that we're right. created for it. So, um, but yeah, it, it's still, uh, it's still funny. You know, like I think the funniest thing about this is that, you know, you have these drivers that are, you know, like horse jockeys that are 130 pound dudes that sit in these steel 3,400 pound cars that will run their mouth at you. if Their pit stop wasn't good enough. And it's like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to eat that. <laughs> you know? so, I wish we could get on the field right now and then wish you would say that to my face. Exactly. We'll see how that would go. But, I can't uh, imagine someone popping off it, it, in your face, but you have to deal with that. You, yeah, you do. You do. You just kind of have to eat it and uh, forget it and, and keep working and moving forward. Wow. Talk for a guy with a big temper, man, that's got to be hard. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's get into that a little bit because this is super interesting. Um, you know, obviously the the environment of NASCAR probably isn't suitable. You wouldn't think right for diversity, mm-hmm. so to speak. Right. And so this is an, an incredible topic to kind of start to get into as, you know, just on the heels of, of the vandalism of LeBron James's house just before the finals, mm-hmm. right. Where racism is still so prevalent in the United States, yep. you're existing and coexisting and you're the leader on a pit crew in NASCAR. Yeah. So first of all, let's, let's, before we get into that big topic, cause that's a lot, right. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about your, um, status and, and what your responsibility is specifically with, uh, Chip Ganassi racing. So I've been there about, this is my fourth season at Ganassi racing. Uh, there's another guy, Sean, uh, the two of us were recruited over from another team. We were just on the pit crew there. And we had started to kind of work with some teams. So NASCAR has a bunch of different series. The Cup Series is the top one. Under that's Xfinity. Under that's the Truck Series. And so we kind of had some teams that we were working with in those lower series. It's starting to just recruit guys, develop them, train them, um, kind of like a a middleman to teams that needed people in those series. And so we would kind of help kind of broker those. And so... From doing some of that, Ganassi Racing said, hey, 
we came over and, and they pretty much said, hey, we're, this is the floor. You know, our crews are, we put money in them. We've tried to pay guys. We've tried everything. And we're ranked 21st and 26th out of 40. Well, today we're first and eighth. Wow. In, in, uh, in the four-year time. And so Sean and I, we haven't done anything magical. We just tried to create a culture where people could succeed. We try to have each other's back. Um, we try to hammer home philosophies of managing your emotions, failing quickly, um, being a good person, being a good experience, um, being transparent with one another. And so for whatever reason, that's worked. And right. so day to day, uh, we are in charge of practice, workouts, recruiting, developing. Um, and then on the weekend, I'm a fueler for the 42 car, Kyle Larson, where we were first in points pretty much all year. We dropped, we wrecked this past weekend and we're second now overall, but we're, we're still in a good spot. The first and second car are probably over a race or two gap between third and fourth. So it's a, like a two man show right now between us and Martin Truex in the 78 car. So things are good. You know, we just got to stay the course. Well, here's what I love about um, your mindset. And I'm not, I, this is my first real peek into the NASCAR, but the language, the verbiage you're using is we, us, our, mm-hmm. okay. That's a team mentality, yeah. but you would think NASCAR is just a driver, one guy, right? But the verbiage you're using, and if you're an athlete or you you come from a, a team environment, you recognize, you would have recognized the language that you're using. Let's, let's stick there for just a little bit. Talk to me about, you talk, you mentioned some of those core values. Mm-hmm. If you were to have to put in a numerical uh, listing, uh, which would you say was the most important of the values that you're teaching to your team? Which is the most important for, for that culture that you've built? Man, number number one. Uh, it's gotta it's gotta start with uh, respect for each other. You know, um, <clears throat> there's so many, and we've Sean and I have since kind of doing the pit crew thing. We've started to just interact with different organizations and other teams outside of our sport, and just kind of telling our story. And uh, like some of the companies say, hey, we really want to give a good guest experience or we really want to treat our customers, or our patients, or our clients well. And it's like, all right, well, how do you treat each other? Because that's going to be the you can't not treat your teammates well, the people you work with well, and then just kind of turn your face in a second and smile and be like, OK, hey, how can I help you today? Like they're going to feel the, the, the fakeness there. Sure. And so we've got to be genuine about how we show up each morning. Um, we've got to decide like, all right, today is going to be a good day. <laughs> right. I've got a huge sign that says it's a good day to have a good day. Oh, wow. Every day is a good day to have a good day. And so, you know, things might not be great at home. Parents might, you know, might be some issues there or fight with the wife or girlfriend, but you can still choose to have, have a good day and, uh, and, and have a positive impact on the people around you. And so when you get a bunch of people that generally respect each other, um, you can move mountains. It's a good day to have a good day. Yeah. I feel like I write a lot of quotes on my mirror, man. I feel like that's mirror yeah, qu- yeah, quality right oh, there, man. You know, yeah, the first thing I mirror, see, we're doing <laughs> right. Um, so this, this culture that you've built, um, based around respect, what are some of the core pieces that you had to change when you came over specifically to Ganassi racing and, yeah. and you had to change the culture a bit? Main two were probably uh, just entitlement. Um, 
guys that had been there for a while felt like they earned their stripes, you know, four or five years when they got there, but then they were kind of on cruise control. And we say all the time, like the enemy of, uh, what do I say? <laughs> the enemy of, of great is good. And so sometimes people are okay with being good. Um, and, but that, that's what keeps you from being great. Like mm. we had good people, but we wanted great ones. And so if you weren't willing to make that jump to say, Hey, we're going to, you know, you're the senior guy, you, you're the top dog right now, but right now I need you to sweep the floors like everyone else is doing. If you can't do that, you got to go. And so we, uh, we just kind of say, we're going to win with good people. And so we let go of some really talented people that, you know, senior leaders are like, you guys are idiots. Really? This is a guy where you, you know, we're, he's like one of the fastest guys we have and you're letting him go. We're like, yeah, cause he's not a, he's not in, he didn't buy into what we're trying to do. And so we had to let go of that. We had to increase the work ethic. We had to get, say, Hey, we're, we might not be, you know, the team with the biggest budget, or we might not have now the best, most talented guys, but we can at least work harder than everybody. Yeah. And so those are probably the main two things that kind of got the ball rolling for us. That's, that's big time. And when I think about my old man, my, my dad is one of the best leaders I've ever seen. And it's not because he was great at leading people. It was because he was great at building leaders, yeah, right? And yeah. I think the best leaders build other leaders. Sure. So when you're talking about recruiting and bringing guys into your pit crew, what type of people are you looking for? What are the the characteristics that you're looking for first? Oftentimes, we'll try to get some kind of referral, word of mouth, um, a strength and conditioning coach. You know, sometimes the coach will say, "Yeah, this guy's really talented." And then you talk to the strength and conditioning guys like, yeah, he was good on the field, but he didn't really do a lot for me in here. Well, we're not interested in that guy. Right. And I don't care what kind of records you broke. You know, I don't care <laughs> care about your stats. Because once you come in with us, you start on the floor. So none of that matters. So you're recruiting mostly athletes. Yeah, we uh, we are a lot of football guys. Um, let's see, over the last several years. What is it? Soccer players soccer, aren't strong enough to carry yeah, no, these gas soccer, cans? No, got, no, there's, a, there's a guy that I started with uh, back 10 or probably 12 years ago, soccer guy, and uh, played at Akron, I think. Okay. Um, what was his name? Brian Deal. And then he played over, he trained with uh, over uh, in, in uh, England um, for a summer with one of the clubs. Didn't end up making it, but cool. But yeah, he was pretty, he's pretty legit. So uh, yeah, a couple soccer guys, baseball, military. We've had uh, a couple Navy SEALs. Um, pretty, yeah, pretty hardcore. Wow. <laughs> those guys are, those guys picked that up quicker than anybody. They I just, bet, man. They were relentless. They, uh, you know, you, you'd say, hey, uh, the next step is to do this drill here. You know, this is going to, this is where you are in your development. And then you leave them there. Hey, you got it. All right, cool. I'm going to go run and check on something. You come back three hours later, it's pouring rain outside and they're still out there working, you know, and wow. it's like everyone else is packed up and gone for the day. <laughs> so <laughs> they just have a different motor. And, but those are the kind of people that help, that help you build it. Cause people see that and say, okay, this guy just started or he started after me and now he's ahead of me. He's successful. What's he doing that I'm not right. And people say, okay, well maybe, maybe I need to step my game up a little bit. And so it's, uh, it's been fun, man. It's, we've had an interesting, interesting group of people. You know, um, we got a guy that came in was with the Tennessee Titans for a couple of years and, uh, he's his first, uh, car when he got drafted or whatever it was, was a Bentley. No way. 
couple weeks ago, we made him sit in the back of a 15-passenger van and drive <laughs> to a racetrack like six, seven hours away. And it's like, well, that's where everyone starts. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't care that you made millions of dollars in the NFL. It's it's about what we do here, and you got to go through the steps. And uh, and so and he he did it with a smile, and that's how you know when you got the right people. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, you know, listen, I'm not trying to compare at all, but when the rookies would come in and, and mm-hmm. into training camp, and yeah, you would yeah, see yeah. how they thought they were the man right. from their colleges, right? No and one cares. yeah, no one cares, man. And you gotta you gotta put them in their place quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the best memories to date from this team environment, right? Because it's so important that camaraderie Mm -hmm. that extends it, the happier you are in that family, it extends back to how you treat your own family. Right. Um, so if you could think back some of the best moments in your career thus far, what are you 10 years in a decade into this? 12 in your Tom Brady year, man. Yeah, I know. Right. Right. Wow. Uh, man, I, I've had Sean, who I, I referenced earlier, the two of us are uh, kind of co-coaches or co-leaders of our department. Um, I don't know that anyone's had more fun than we have. We just, I mean, I can't tell you how many days when I'm driving home or driving to work, and I'm really excited about getting there. And I'm laughing about something that happened the day before uh, or the day after. We um, We have these uh, like legendary court cases where if somebody, <laughs> there's some kind of offense, it's, a, it's an accountability program, essentially. If there's some kind of offense, and, it, and it's usually like, for example, one of our guys is a, a massage therapist and he's went to school kind of on at nights to, to learn how to do body work. He's just interested in it. And so one of our other guys had some tight something, I don't know, but I ended up walking into this room you know, I open the door and it's kind of dark in there and he's like on top of him. He's like mounting this guy. And I'm just like, okay, that's a violation. <laughs> We're going to court. <laughs> so, Love it. So, uh, so we, we, we make a court case. My brother is actually an attorney. He came in and represented me for this. <laughs> <laughs> so they had, they, uh, we have another one of our guys is, uh, he always likes to be in defense. He did a great job of attacking me and my character. And, uh, <laughs> We go Where do you hold court. this? We, you you hold this in hold the this in our gym. In we the gym, turn the gym into a courtroom. Tables, <laughs> gavel, the whole deal. Love it. And so uh, <clears throat> we go around the room after we get done with everything, and everyone says, generally, if anyone goes to court, pretty much you're guilty. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, it's like, and at the other at the other end of the guilt, there's a fine. I would assume. There, yeah. So uh, they had to. Uh, we just said it was a, a manliness violation just in the <laughs> position that they were in during work hours. You know? Right. Uh, so uh, we ended up doing this uh, fishing tournament. Yeah. And the penalty was that they had to, to prove their manhood. They had to bite the head off a fish. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so they had to bite the head off a fish. One of them did. And the other one, uh, one of the guys shot a muskrat while we were uh, with no. an arrow. Uh, no. Cracking crossbows, bow fishing tournament. And uh, so the one guy skinned skinned the muskrat right there. So wow, and, and presented it to the group. So I mean, very manly, proper manliness yeah, yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, we just you know we don't we want to make sure that you know regardless of what your upbringing was or you know um, preferences or whatever, like there's still a shortage of of men just being solid. Sure. And so if we teach pit stops, that's awesome. But if we forget to tell guys how to be, you know, uh, 
uh, a good husband or a good father, then I think we missed it a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah, at 100% He's trying to prepare these guys a little bit after life. And, that, and that's just kind of a fun way to do it. Another one was uh, one guy got brought to court, and he, he stutters a, a little bit. Right. Uh, and so uh, his punishment was that if he had to say uh, – Susie sells seashells by the seashore <laughs> 10 times fast. And if not, you guys are savage. <laughs> you guys are savage, man. If Love not, it. he had to do like 100 or 200 pushups, something like that. I don't know. But it's uh, it's stuff like that that has nothing to do with racing. Yeah. Nothing to do with competing, nothing to do with uh, competition or points or pressure. It's just the fun stuff where you're just kind of goofing off. And uh, that's the kind of stuff I remember. You know, the veterans always told me as I was a player, you know, 90 is what they called me. That yeah. 90, man, you, you, you'll you you'll not remember. You'll soon forget the games and, and yeah. the goals and the assists. Right. But you, you'll never, ever forget the moments with the lads, the moments out, mm-hmm. or the moments where guys are horse, horsing around or yeah. whatever, man. Absolutely. And it's so true. Um, pivot that into the situation that, mm-hmm. that you're in, right? Being a leader, but yet being a representative representative of the diversity mm-hmm. that uh probably goes against the grain of what people would think is prototypical nascar yeah have you felt any of that racism or any sort of bigotry towards you in the time that you've been there yeah it's a, uh, it's kind of it gets masked um by a lot of people under the the jock thing you know like a lot of guys that have come into racing um, recently were our athletes and, and I grew up in Charlotte. I didn't know anything about it. I never went to a race. I never watched one. The first race I went to, I was working for Everham Motorsports and I had been there six weeks and it was like, all right, it's time to go to Daytona. So I show up and I'm like, Oh my God, I think I made a mistake. I don't, <laughs> really? I don't think I belong here. Just, I just didn't know enough about it. I, well, what you know, was the feeling? What, what was that like? It was when just kind of overwhelming. I didn't know how big it was. Uh, I didn't know that these racetracks were that massive. I didn't know that there was going to be 200,000 people from all over the country and world show up for this event. I just thought it was like something cool where I guess you get to play with cars and throw tires <laughs> and gas on. I was, I was cute. And I was, they just had me at workout, you know, get paid to work out. So I was like, uh, okay, so I can go to Italy or like an indoor arena team and make probably, I don't know, 60,000 or probably make that or more playing with cars. Let me, you know, just yeah. one of those things was like a short prayer. Felt good about it. All right, we're good. Let's get it. Roll the <laughs> dice. See what we can do. So, uh, so I came in kind of like a lot of guys do now. Whereas, you know, maybe twenty years ago, I mean, gosh, to get a job for a team, I mean, you had to work hard. You had to bang the doors. You had to sweep the floors for. 20 bucks a week for, you know, a year. I, these are true stories for like a year, you know, before you got the opportunity. And uh, and so now it's kind of like, oh, just because you play football, you just get to walk right in. So a lot of the hostility is just from that. Right. Um, I don't think it helps, to be honest. I mean, every weekend I go to a racetrack and I see, you know, if not hundreds, a lot of Confederate flags and different kind of, you know, shirts and signs and stickers and stuff that's like yeah okay all right, sure <laughs> so there's <laughs> stay the, away from that section, yeah so know? there's the there's the covert racism which is right. undercover right the uh-huh. stuff that you don't even know then there's the overt where it's in your face right right, like, right, right. How, how do you how do you stay focused on the task at hand when you know that there is this negativity um surrounding you what are, what are sort of the ways that you stay locked in and focused just trying to focus on the guys and uh, and not worry about what's going on around you. You can't always control that. 
we uh so charlotte riots last year so okay. we've got a guy who um man his uh i believe his dad or somebody was grand somebody was like black panther you know like that's that's their family and black rights and you know black lives matter hardcore sure we've got guys that whose dads are cops and have been shot at by black guys. And so we have that in our room. And so this riot happens and it's like, I'm talking to Sean, like, do we say something or how do we handle this? Oh, wow. Because you have people on extreme sides that get along for a pit stop, but that's 11 seconds, you know? So what do we do with the other, the other time? And so right now we probably have the most diverse pit crew department in the history of, of NASCAR, but that's not, surprising because it's led by a, a black guy and a canadian so <laughs> we don't really have the same you know we kind of look at it maybe a little differently and we just try to get good people so how did you deal with that that day. tension was there any tension yeah or? it was i mean and, and you could feel it and we just kind of tried to address it i mean we kind of have this little thing where we try to you know run to the fire you know a lot of people see it and uh like uh you know we don't talk about that if something comes up we'll address it but we're like hey this might bite us this might uh, offend some people. Um, but we do want to say that we're aware of it and that we understand that people probably are coming from different sides. I mean, you had a guy again, in the other situations out, those were two people I talked about earlier, but then you had one that was a former cop that had to deal with some of that stuff. Who right. Is a teammate on a crew of six with the guy who has been, you know, uh, had a gun pulled on him by a cop for no reason. And so it's like, how do you, those are, I mean, cause I've been that, I've had that happen to me. Really? Just driving home from work one day. You've had a gun pulled on you. Yeah. That's the only time I've ever had a gun pulled on me. <laughs> no way. Absolutely. So can and we so, talk about that? Yeah, we can. I was, uh, I was at Red Bull racing. I was in, in Mooresville. That was the second race team I worked for. I was there five years. And, um, at the time I had this, uh, it's like an ES 300 is a Lexus. And so normal day at work, work, headed home. I, uh, I'm driving on this overpass up in Mooresville, about to turn on 77 South. And one, I see, you know, blue lights behind me. And then I see a guy come and cut off traffic on one side, lights behind me, another car shows up. And then. This sounds like shit from a movie. Yeah, 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 for sure. No way. So I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I didn't do anything. I wasn't speeding. I literally have been in the car two minutes to this point. I'm like, I was at work all day. I could, they, whatever it is in my What head, time of the day is this? This is probably like, you know, 4, 45, 5, something like that. You know, just kind of end of the day. So. This is I'm rush just, hour. There's a lot of people around. A lot of people, yeah. So like one of my, my other teammates saw it. And the next day was like, hey, man, um, uh, you you okay? Or uh, I saw some cops stop you, and I just got out of there. He's like, yeah. I didn't know what was going on. Right. Because you know, it wasn't the guy that I was extremely close with. Um, I think if it was the kind of situation where our team is now, the culture we have now. They'd have stopped. They'd have stopped and been like, hey, man, this is this is my brother. You know right. I mean? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, long story short, yeah. So I'm thinking I'm good. And next thing I know, it's like hands on the wheel, you know, where I can see him. And I look it up, I'm like, man, he's kind of angry. I'm not paying any attention. And so <laughs> I look in the mirror and he's like, got the door open, guns pointed. There's another guy coming with his drawn. And I'm just like, oh shoot, this just got serious. What? So I immediately just think to, you know, so for me in, in some of these moments where I'm seeing people that look like me getting shot, I'm like, I know what that feels like. 
and and there is a reality that he could have really not been doing anything and just made a sudden move and then and then he's gone and so it was one of those moments where I was just like okay uh, <laughs> think back to my training what did my mom tell me you know <laughs> uh, hands on the wheel don't make any sudden movements don't do anything that's going to surprise anybody just just chill just right. be cool and so I did and so they they tore my car up and eventually got me out of the car and all that and I guess what had happened was was somebody had I guess stolen a car Alexis a couple hours earlier that looked just like mine and somebody reported it and thought that was me I fit the description no way yeah so it was so they a, ripped your car up there's all kind of damage yeah and and so I kind of like try to just tell the police like hey look I went to the department like a few weeks later like hey this is not cool um i'm 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 all right i'm like i'm not like a hey i'm gonna sue you kind of guy but uh it was just like i don't know if that's how this is supposed to work or not but they did just kind of acted like they didn't really know what i was talking about or they just did you know standard protocol so i was like all right whatever i, I didn't that's it you know i didn't really wow think more about it but fast forward so i i i see the different sides a hundred percent i understand why uh somebody might be intimidated in a certain situation to see why somebody might be in fear. And that's generally what it kind of boils down to is fear. It's not really knowing each other one uh, enough to really know like, Hey, okay, I see that you have dreadlocks or whatever, but right. You're cool. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> you know, or, Hey, I see that you have this Confederate flag sign, but I can sit down and have a really cool conversation with you. And like, I would like to do it again sometime. And so that's the kind of thing that we would try to just with our guys. We're like, hey, man, just just be honest and open. Have conversations. And so those conversations turn into more conversations, which turn into relationships. And that's the biggest thing, man. You have a good relationship with somebody, no matter what they look like, where they're from. You know what I mean? You'll have their back. So. You mentioned that word brotherhood, man. Yeah. This, this guy's my brother. Yeah. And I was just thinking about that while you were talking and how important that word is, but how much depth that word and and how much value and time has to be put in order to develop that brotherhood. Mm -hmm. um, what are some things that, you know, are, are cancerous for those brotherhoods and how do you cut that cancer out? Because negativity will spread quickly if mm -hmm. you allow it to. We had John Gordon, who is the author of The Energy Bus, who's the, po the positivity, the power of positive leadership, right? He talks about how negativity can really spread. So what are your, some of your ways to, to cut out cancerous uh, actions quickly? Yeah, we, uh, we try to eliminate, he said, she said, gossip kind of stuff. Ah. The, the split second that we have hear about issues, it's like, all right, how are you going to deal with that? Right. Well, he said, no, 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 no. Okay, stop. How are you going to deal with yeah, that? Yeah. Because if you don't deal with it now, I'm going to go get him. And then the two of us are going to go sit in this room and we're going to figure it out. And we've had to do that. And, uh, and just let them know, like, when we leave this room, it's over. All right. And wow. if it's not, we'll end it. And I would prefer you guys. End it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, you, get, you have to be serious about it. You know, you have to say, hey, look, we're not going to be gossipy. We're not going to talk about each other talk about each other's girlfriends and, you know, stuff like that. Um, I was telling you a little bit before uh, that uh, learning a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs culture, uh, Coach Andy Reid doesn't allow <laughs> politics, women, and religion to be discussed in the locker room. Politics, women, religion, yeah, not allowed. Not huh? allowed. It's, so it's like, 
so I heard that. And I'm like, well, what what else is there to talk about? <laughs> you know, and they're right. like, football. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we're here to talk about football. Right. Yeah. And so if it's not about football, we don't need to talk about it. That's our job. Outside of here, when you guys are grabbing beers and we do whatever, talk about whatever you want, I don't care. But when we're here, when we're working, when we're, we need to focus and we need to talk about what our tasks are and we need to take that seriously. So we're not quite yet hardcore as uh, as Andy Reid is. Yeah. But, you know, we do try to keep the guys focused and say, hey, have fun, you know, let your personalities flourish because that was that is going to bring not just diversity in, in, in person, but diversity in thought and approach yeah. and eyesight. Um, but at the same time, do it in a way that's respectful and, and productive. And so, yeah, we try to, you know, we try to keep the the gossip down. We try to keep things together. I think oftentimes with a lot of teams, you find like the veteran group that's clicking or the young guys that are, you know, kind of kind of hanging together or people tend to, you know, every now and then I'll look up and I'll see like a lot of the black guys are in one group and the white guys are in another group. But I'm like, all right, I'm going to mix this up. Yeah. You got to change that. Yeah. So just trying to keep everybody together all the time, keeping them on the same page, keeping them working in different groups, switching it up the routine on them so that people are forced to interact with each other. Um, I think those are kind of the things that we've trying to. So much intentionality into what you're doing and the culture that you've built obviously resonates because you wouldn't say this, but because we've had the conversation before and I know this, I'm going to go ahead and, and say <laughs> this for you. You mentioned subtly about Andy Reid, meeting Andy Reid and being in Kansas City. Yeah. It was a little bit deeper than that, Mike. You were summoned to the office specifically from and by Andy Reid. Yeah. He wanted to meet you. Uh, and uh, there was someone else. Was there a couple of people from your pit crew? Was yeah, there- Sean. I've, I've talked about him a little bit. He's, we've been together for 11 years, man. We've, uh, wow. Same same teams. We started uh, Red Bull Racing uh, 07, and we're there for five years. We're both at Michael Walsh Racing for two years, and then both came to Ganassi at the same time. So we've spent a lot of time together for right. 11 years. You know, you think about racing as like 30 six or 38 weekends out of the year that you're with somebody, you know, you get, you get close. So Sean and I went out there. um, We spoke at the NFL combine in uh, February. And so we just kind of hit it off with a few of the trainers from Kansas city thinking like, all right, cool. We race in Kansas. When we go out there, we'll go out a day early and just kind of, they were like, yeah, let's come out of the field house. We just kind of wanted to talk through some things about, um, what they were doing with their training. They kind of thought it was cool. Some of the things we did. So we just wanted to kind of like kind of cross pollinate, you know, ideas and just kind of talk through some of that. Well, we're in the training room. Like, I mean, maybe a minute and the phone rings and one of the guys steps over and he's like, Hey, the boss man's upstairs wants to meet you guys. I'm like, uh, boss man, who's that? Uh, (laughs) like Andy coach Reed. I'm like, how does he know we're here? You know, yeah. who are, or who we are. It's like, I don't know. He, he wants to meet you. We got to go. So I'm like, sweet. So we, uh, we rolled in there and just a sharp guy, sharp guy. I mean, anytime you can hold a job in NFL for 18 years, you, you're doing something right. And so, um, it's cool that the little kid from Charlotte that knew nothing about racing is somehow managed to stay in there for 12 years. And then that's open doors that are bigger than just, putting tires on a car, gas in a car, you know, I think yeah. um, people, you know, all, oftentimes <clears throat> just see their jobs as a job, but it can be so much more than that. You know, it can turn into something that creates opportunities for others or, 
different opportunities for yourself. That's know, right. If you, if you go about it the right way. So I've been fortunate. It's awesome, man. And, and just coming on as a Lululemon ambassador beso- yeah, alongside yeah, 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 you yeah. and watching, man, you, you know, I obviously when I was living in Burkdale, which is where our store is, yep. um, I can remember so many times going in and, you know, I played in Vancouver, so I got to watch Lululemon grow from 2009. I mean, it, I think the the brand started in 97, mm-hmm. but they were really starting to catch steam around 2006 and, and, and beyond. And so coming back and, and hearing about you and, and learning about your career and whatnot, it's so impressive. Um, what, what do you think it is about your mindset and the Lululemon brand specifically and all that they represent, right? Um, that, that is such a good marriage because I feel like, um, I know, but in your interpretation, uh, why, why is it such a good fit for you? Cause you could be a, an Under Armour guy. You could be a Nike guy, an Adidas guy, but why Lululemon for you? A, the boxers are phenomenal. <laughs> Just to be honest. I mean, those no things kidding. Are, they're a game yeah, changer, right? They are a game changer. Like, gosh, you know, you keep the jewels dialed in. <laughs> you know, I'm in. So, uh, no, but uh, once I kind of kind of try to, I think I maybe tried some boxers first. And then I, they were doing something at the Whitewater Center, like a 5K or trail run or something like that. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go. I, I was, I had the time that day and, and went and did it and just found some, I found that same kind of like community, that locker room kind of feel. And and that's what <clears throat> did it for me. I think it's just like anything. I mean, you can, people will pay for a good experience. The, life is so short of those nowadays right like you get up earlier than you want to you sit in traffic you pay too much money for coffee in a line that somebody is just kind of like trying to rush you through right uh, you go sit at a desk and you're you really have good interactions there your boss really only checks in on you when something's wrong uh or you're in an environment where it's competitive dog eat dog so you're by yourself you go get lunch that's rushed you know it's 45 minutes and then you go yeah, in traffic it's true and then you go try to do something fun just to make it see you know just to stay sane so i don't know these people they were on a they were they were kind of like my same wavelength and they were uh you know kind of detached from like the, the the just the grind of just trying to get through life they were having fun and they had cool looking clothes but it really wasn't even about the clothes. It was just about the people and, um, you know, work hard, play hard, have fun, enjoy life, yeah. love to sweat, love to do things together. That group always, when I first started coming around, they were always doing stuff together and inviting me. Hey, we're all going to go get a drink here. Hey, we're all going to do yoga. Hey, we're all going to do this workout. And I'm like, man, I'm not going to be able to do this uh, racing thing forever, man. I'm going to get <laughs> old. So what what if, what's going to be after that? And I was like, I need to be connecting with people. And I've got a lot of family here, a lot of friends, but what's that next thing that's going to be like the community piece for me to where right. I can just plug in and, and we can keep going? And so I just was curious just to see what it was. And then somehow, I don't know, they asked me to be this ambassador guy. <laughs> 
I was like, okay, what does that mean? What do I need to do? And they're like, nothing, just do what you've been doing. And so it just, That's awesome. to me, it was just like, an, it was like, okay, well, it's just, these are my people. So it's an affirmation of, of what you're doing and where you're headed and what you represent. And, uh, listen, man, I'm proud of you to watch, you know, obviously our relationship continues to grow and, and, yep. and organically starts to stem. It's a couple of questions as we round this thing out, man, you know, Lululemon and, and this podcast represents soul, man. It represents spirit. It represents understanding your purpose in life and living within that and creating the space to, to be able to continue to move forward and, and be happy and do things you love. So talk to us a little bit about what you know to be true about your soul and your spirit. Uh, man, I, I get that from my mom. She's uh, just welcomes everyone she sees. She's she cooks all the time, way more food than she needs to. Just in the random chance that somebody might stop over and be hungry, she's love just it. That kind of lady, and so I just kind of grew up learning like, hey, we we gotta just embrace people. Um, so I think my soul is like a. It's just a. It's got a heart for people, man, and and that's uh, <clears throat> not really married to. I have a nice house. I got an old old school Mustang that I really like, but if it all like went away, I don't know that I would care that much. I like it. I don't want that to happen, but right. it's uh, it's just, you're going to remember the people that you spent time with and that impacted and that impacted you. And so um, I know, I know that I, I, I'm like a people person. Um, I'm 100% kind of fine by myself, but eventually I'm like, all right, I need to get around people. Yeah. Kind of connect with them. And then, uh, I'm also kind of like this uh, really calm externally, but like kind of like tumultuous on the inside. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I share that with you, man. Yeah, I share that with I'm, you. And, but it's, it's, it's helped me because uh, this pastor guy, I think I can, uh, probably was like 13. Remember I'm saying when you are uh, looking for direction or guidance or a calling or something like looking for meaning, like look to your frustrations because they're often uniquely yours. And so mm. those are problems that only you see or they're a problem that no one else really sees it the way you see it. And so right. no one's going to solve it because it's your issue. Sure. And that's a way that you can kind of help shape the world. And that's the way you can kind of help fix things for other people that are going to come behind you that don't even have the vision to see that it's broken. And so uh, I've learned to kind of use that kind of like, I get mad at stuff all the time. And yeah. then, but instantly it, it, it's, it's like, okay, this is an opportunity. Right. And wow. so um, <clears throat> that quick reframe that has to come from experience. Yeah. It, you know, it's it, taking a lot of time, man. Yeah. You know, it, it used to be like, snapping or just you know for a, a long time in, in college people my teammates labeled me as, as uncoachable because uh, i used to get in arguments <laughs> with my coaches right and, uh people say i have like a, a problems with authority and stuff like that and it's like you know i don't have a problem with authority i just don't like the way he did x y and z and if he was supposed to be a leader or a coach he would do this and then it's like yeah you have authority issues <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah you probably yeah right. But, uh, you know, it's just that I have high expectations of people in leadership positions. I have high yeah. expectations of people that call themselves the boss. And so uh, when I don't see them doing what I think they should be doing, there's that gap there, right? That's that gap between what you are seeing versus what you think you should see. And so in between that, there's the frustrations, and that's what's helped develop me. Wow. Your message, your message 
right, man. And I listen, I, um, I, I'm extremely proud of what I see you building and, you know, you keep talking about 12 years, like you've got some sort of, uh, like time stamp on you, man. <laughs> I think you can be in this game for, for a few more. Yeah. What does it look like? What are you creating space in your mind for post NASCAR? Is there, are there thoughts in that direction yet or? Yeah. Um, just as a father, little one on the way in August. Congratulations, yeah, man. Yeah. Not I hope he stretches out to September and <laughs> drops into the Virgo <laughs> class, you know? Uh, we'll see. I'm going to let him do his own thing. Love it. Um, uh, so yeah, being, being a father, um, I want to, I want to be there for that. I've never heard anybody say, you know, I wish my dad was, had spent more time working. He spent too much time with me. I wish he would have worked more. So we'd have more money. I've heard a lot of people say, yeah, my dad, man, he good dude worked hard. I mean, I had everything I ever wanted, but he just wasn't there. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, like in my head, my schedule right now, I, I wouldn't be there. So I'm trying yeah. to like what can I do in my life to just kind of create uh, time and, and space and opportunity for a child? And I don't even know what that means, you know, depending on how they come out, you know, it could be a child that requires a ton of time or, sure. or just, you know, so I just want to be ready for that. And then uh, just with my wife and I've been on the road pretty much every weekend since we met. So um, just trying to uh, get some other things off the ground to where maybe I don't have to, travel quite as much you know i think physically yeah i think i can go on for a while but i think at some point i don't know man it's weird because i, I kind of go back and forth some days i walk in and i know all right sean and i were doing the right thing and, and we're building this thing the right way and then other days i'm like man i feel like i need to be making a, a bigger contribution to society you right know? and it's like why do i think that you know i feel like if i ask the guys they'd be like oh man you guys are we appreciate what you do but so some days, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's just in my head, and and I think we all all deal with that, right? Sure. So, uh, but but kind of parlaying with some of that stuff with the Chiefs, and just we've figured out a, a couple things on how to build healthy cultures. We figured out a couple things on how to be more efficient. You know, how to how to manage your time better. So I think if we can, um, we're kind of working on putting together. Uh, uh, a website and a platform it'll be called four tires and fuel we'll have four pillars that you can kind of institute to whatever it is your life your organization and then fuel your fuel will be just like the people that help drive it and so yeah. just kind of being able to talk to that so we're kind of in the process of developing that right that's now. awesome man and you you've got the platform and the direction is already headed i like to to do this towards the end of the show man you know the listeners obviously have come to this to and have stayed in this conversation because the value is there. If you could think to, you know, our range of listeners right now is 22 to 38 is our demo, mm-hmm. right? So these are entrepreneurs or highly motivated people to develop personally, mm-hmm. either just out of college or in their young 20s or moving into mid-adulthood in their 30s to late 30s. Mm-hmm. What would you what kind of advice would you give to those sitting on the other side of this conversation? Yeah, uh, for life, man, life. Oof. Uh, don't be afraid to fail. Um, a lot of the the people that <laughs> you want to impress aren't really paying attention to you. Wow. Um, so don't worry about their their feelings. Their, you know what I mean? Like, do your thing. You know what I mean? If there's something that is kind of like, man, I kind of want to do that. 
I know how it's gonna look. Like, go for it. You know, be fearless. Never pass on opportunities to be in leadership at a young age, even if that's just leading the local swim club. <clears throat> right. You know what I mean? Like learning how to lead teams, people, it's it's all the same thing. It's it's no different if you're leading the swim pool club or Bank of America. It's yeah. all just being able to manage people. So the more it uh experience that you have um the better people skills that you have at a at younger age is going to make you more valuable down the line um, i said a little bit about it earlier your frustrations don't let them frustrate you let them fuel you you know mm. <clears throat> see use those to like kind of help point you in a direction of like maybe these are some problems that i can help address or maybe this is a, a niche that i see that maybe others don't that i can you know capitalize on monetize things like that um I could talk for a while about stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let it, let it fly, my man. Let it fly. Um, you know, and then, and then, um, don't be afraid of change. You know, um, if, if something's not going the way that it, it that's like it, it, that one's tough, right? Cause sometimes you need to stick to the process and team and, 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 uh, and see things through, but other times you have to say, Hey, this isn't quite, exactly the excellence level that it needs to be right and then change it and then surround yourself with older smarter people yeah i mean much older i later today i'm going to meet with a guy and i've been meeting with him probably we try to meet once a week he's probably 20 years older than i am and uh, he's a senior programmer at microsoft outside looking in we have nothing in common but i love this guy yeah, and uh, I just I learned so much from him, and he he says he learns from me. I don't believe him because <laughs> I don't know what I could tell him. Um, and there's another guy I do the same thing with. So like mentors, I mean, just having people that are where you are or have done what you wanted to do, uh, people that have done what you wanted to do and failed. I mean, you can learn so much from them too. You know, like yeah. these were the mistakes I made, especially when you really engage people that are honest. You know, right? People that you have that relationship with. And then just uh, lastly, I would say don't buy into the, <clears throat> you know, like kind of doggy dog kind of thing. Like the more people that you help along the way, that's going to come back to you. Yeah. Those people are going to remember you. And then you're going to learn how to be a good experience. We talk about this to our guys. What's it like to experience West Knight? What's that like? Mm, man, that's a great question. Um, you know what? I, I'd have to throw that back on you, but, but to, uh, <laughs> no, you don't have to answer that. I don't have to answer that. But that's the kind of thing. Those are the kind of questions that you need to think about. Ah, I've <clears> never <throat> even thought about that. Because if I walk into any room anywhere, that room changes with me being there. I, yeah. I am an experience of some sort. Uh, it, that could be a quiet experience, it could be a loud, it could be arrogant, it could be humble, it could be anything. And so what kind of experience are you giving people over and over again? And so if that's one that's trending upward, so where it's the kind of person that people want to be around, that people want to learn from, that people want to listen to, talk to, then you'll start to see like whatever it is that you're doing on the side work-wise, like that stuff will kind of start working for you. Right. So it's a lot of attention to the stuff that actually has really nothing to do with your career, everything else outside of it. Yeah. <sighs> Crazy valuable advice. Um, I really like the piece about helping people. You know, I went for a long time in my career, man, just trying to do whatever I could to get to the league. 
and yeah, you know kind of climbed on the back of some people and, and you know i br- burned some bridges <laughs> yeah. and, and thought i was the man sports and, is tough man it is it is, it is. Outside it. looking in it looks fun and, it, mm. and but it's a it's cutthroat it's, it's so cutthroat and when i got to when i got to the league you know i had seven great years kind of bouncing around in it but when i got to it i recognized just how slit cut throat ruthless i saw guys getting released in airports mm-hmm. going from one city to the other mm-hmm. losing their jobs in the airport you know it is ruthless right but yeah. after getting out of it and putting my life towards a message and a culmination of other people's messages that can help man it, my life has changed for sure yeah. um cool. tell me about like your eulogy oh god whoa you know, last question of creating space is always the biggest. <laughs> what do you want said at that eulogy, man, when it's all said and done? Man, it, is it sad to say that I've thought about this a little bit? <laughs> Not at all, man. Yeah. I think that's, that, that is a, 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 it tributes to your introspection, man. Yeah, I, you know, I want it to be a party. You know, I want it to be yeah. a celebration. You know, uh, hopefully, uh, if I can ever accomplish anything on this earth, hopefully it could be something cool one day maybe. And hopefully something that people say, you know, uh, like earth, um, is a better person because of his life, um, that, uh, he helped make other people better. I mean, I know a lot of people come, I don't know, people come to me every now and then just leadership advice or stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what, it, uh, it kind of sucks. And that's why there's so few good leaders. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. You spend your time and money and resources and, you sacrifice, you know, you're supposed to have a date night, but you don't make it because you're there working, trying to make somebody else better. And that's what it is. It's trying to like get out of yourself, but using everything that you have to empower others to make them the person that, you know, maybe you, you can't be or um, the person that they wouldn't be. And so hopefully, hopefully someday somebody says, hey, man, this guy's a really, really solid leader. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> hopefully my son can keep that going on and Hopefully there's some kind of business or something where we've got some kind of curriculum or uh, some a book or something to where people can reference and say, hey, this is this is the way to do it. This is the way to lead people. I love it, man. Uh, I, I love what you what you represent. I like watching it from a distance. I've never been to NASCAR, <laughs> um, but I got I got to get out and watch yeah, it. Yeah, man, we'll make it happen. Got to support, man. Um, I do appreciate you. Uh, last last question. We'll we'll send you off after this. Okay. Every day. Um, the mission for me is to continue to to create space, right? It's the platform, but it's a lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. For me, it's yoga. For me, it's exercise. It's my medicine that keeps me, you know, away from mental illness and anxiety and and such. How do you create space for your best life every day? You know, I get in. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not great at it. You know, sometimes I just get up and go. But a, a day where I I do that is. Um, is kind of getting my hands off the reins. Um, you know, I'll start prayer, meditation, stuff like that. Um, just, uh, I grew up in church, man. It's just who I am. So just like read through scriptures or something like that. Something to where it takes my mind, you know, to something that's bigger than me. Yeah. Right. So like just kind of trying to get out of like, all right, what's Mike doing to create space? But what? there's actually this huge space called the planet. It's so right. what else is going on else out around here. And then um, I just try to create some, some randomness into my day. to where I don't plan. I just, all right, what do I, what do I feel like doing? Or 
I'm just going to go eat here. And it never fails that I run into a friend that I haven't seen in 10 years or a lady that uh, is having a hard time with something or lost her wallet. And I'm like, can I get your lunch for you? Yeah. Um, and it's just those moments where it's like, okay, they're, I'm plugged into something special. You know, it's not just the little details of like the little things that may or may not stress me out at work or the issues that are at work or something I got to do on my to-do list at home. It just, it plugs me into what the bigger thing is that's happening and it's happening all around us. And there's so many people that, you know, um, are looking for, for people to, uh, you ever notice like you walk around and like uptown or something like that and people look down, but like when they get close to you, they look at you. Just yeah. Try to get maybe a little eye contact. Right. Eye. And it's like, go, that's to me, that's like the perfect little, thing of like what we do we just kind of walk around with our heads down and then we see these little moments and we look up and we observe it just for a second but that person's been there the whole time or you know, yeah that yeah opportunity space has been there the whole time so um i don't know i, I don't know if that answers the question but I absolutely <laughs> answers the question um uh, you know there's so much so much depth mike and and you know it's why it was important over time that i could watch observe evaluate and then uh, organically bring you on to the show, man. Yeah. And yeah, here's what I'll tell you: you are you are leading people. You are doing well. There's, I mean, obviously you got you're onto something, man. And uh, I, I'm excited to see how all of this changes, especially the man you are after August when the the little one comes Ooh, out, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, I'm proud of you, dude, and, and Thanks, I'm honored. Man. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, let, we'll have to. We'll have to check back around for a second episode okay. uh, creating space and see what the difference is. <laughs> you, you always do, man, but I appreciate <laughs> you coming on the show. No doubt. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. This is what creating space is all about. This is about opening up the mindsets of those peak performers who are able to push through adversity, even from a young age, like Mike had with his father, who was able to literally cultivate a life that was a one percenter's life. And that mindset was able to translate into Mike. And Mike obviously was a peak performer moving into Appalachian State as an American football player and then transitioned from life after football into a high-performing pit crewman. But not only that, he's got passions and desires now to move into leadership and to help Fortune 500 companies and help any sort of large business or small business learn how to use servant leadership and how to cultivate a team environment solely through what he has learned from the combination of being an athlete and being a pit crewman and leading people in very high intense situations and pushing them towards success. For me, that is the art of creating space. That is a way to it's it's what it's what's called technique. And technique is all about acquiring skills and continually trying to acquire skills to be able to lead, learn, teach, and educate others to help others build and cultivate the life that they desire in the environments that they wish for. Really grateful for Mike Metcalf taking the time to come on the show. And I would love to hear what you guys think about Mike Metcalf, his story, and just how bit of a, a, a unique mindset he has. So reach out to Mike Metcalf. You can find him on Twitter and on Instagram at Mr. Metcalf Jr. Reach out to him. Let him know how much you enjoyed this podcast, enjoyed his mindset, and would love to connect and potentially collaborate with Mike. I know he's always 
open for that. So without any further ado, you guys have a great rest of your week. Make sure you keep doing what it takes to create the space for your best self to enter, remove the excess, and increase success. All right, guys. Love every single one of you. We'll see you guys soon.